Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Rachel Burr. She is an executive leadership coach, team coach, and consultant. She's developing high-performing team. She's developing high-performing teams by empowering leaders. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Yeah. So, can you share a little bit of your journey in becoming an executive coach and building your business? Absolutely. I started off, I really thought I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. I I always knew I was connected to people in some way, but I really thought I wanted to be a psychologist. And I got about halfway through the program and I was working with folks, a lot of psychology has changed a lot in the last 15 years or so, but a, a lot of it seemed to work with folks to focus on what's going wrong and really focus on just getting back to functioning, that maintenance place. And what I realized was I really wanted to help people step into their potential. It seemed like there was so much, you know, that was untapped in terms of strengths and talents. I I wanted to dive more into that. So about halfway through, I left the program and I started searching for myself. And the first thing I did, which I help my clients do now, was really break it down into, okay, so what are some of my fundamental building blocks? Like, what is it that I can do? What do I want to do? And when I first started, what came up was really, again, working with people, human behavior, and then I could do research at the time. So I ended up doing more of a strategic marketing approach, had uh, really good experiences there, but I really knew I wanted to work more towards organization development, coaching, all of those things. I just, I felt like it was more in line with my skills, my talents, my interests. Mm -hmm. And I ended up working for this wonderful manager who I use as an example all the time. And he sat me down for my performance review and said, okay, so do you want to be a director of strategic marketing? And I said, not really. (laughs) He's like, okay, well, what do you want? I said, I want to do organization development. He said, great. What is that? And I think the reason that's so important is that as a leader, as a manager, as a people developer, you don't have to, you don't have to agree with maybe somebody's path, or you don't have to even understand that path, but as a leader, helping them get there is so important. So he and my VP put my name in the hat for a job at corporate, which really opened up into doing more training, development, learning, talent development and eventually leadership and OD. So, you know, I have a master in psychology and I have a master's in OD and I have my certification through the International Coaching Federation. And I really think that it all came together by really understanding, okay, what is it that I want? What is it that's driving me? And how do I build brick by brick that path that I want to follow? So in walking through your journey, what are you grateful for now? I am grateful for so many things. (laughs) Um, I think first and foremost, all the people around me, like I said, I had some really good leaders and managers and all those people that really supported me in this journey. There's also this other piece that I think is really important for people. I think it was Isaac Newton who said, 
If I see further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. And what I think is important about that is he was talking about the people who had come before him. And I think that is so important, recognizing what others have contributed to your success, both in your field and just the ones you've known personally. And I would say, I think all of us need to recognize that those shoulders we stand on are not just those of other people, but they're of the people we have been up until this point. And I look back at the woman who first myself taking that risk to leave graduate school or the risk to move halfway across the country for a job. And I'm so grateful to be standing on her shoulders, their shoulders. And I think we all have that. And I think the question that I have a lot of times in a day is, okay, what can I do now so that whoever my future self is and wherever she is, she can look back and say, thank you. Yeah. I love that analogy. I see that to myself a lot too. What can I do today that my future self's going to thank me for? Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. You have got to keep focused on that. And it's a great way to really focus on the right things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some ways that you help leaders have a greater influence on the teams that they lead? I think there's a number of factors. And I think there's always this opportunity to really set a vision around communication, et cetera. I think influence, a lot of it comes from really building the foundation in terms of trust and relationship at the base. I think we listen to those leaders that not only do we appreciate what they say and not only do we appreciate where they're going to help us go, but we want to feel that we're important to them, that we're part of them. And I think that's really critical for leaders to understand. Sometimes we get so focused on the big picture, we forget about the relationships and the connections with the people we lead. So what do leaders have to do in order to take their leadership and their business to the next level? I think one of the things I work with leaders most on is really understanding who they are, going back to those building blocks for each individual leader. We get caught up a lot of times in this idea of whatever the next title is or the next promotion is, and it looks like a cookie cutter. I use that analogy a lot, that we think, okay, this is what I need to be, and we try to shove ourselves into that. And I think it's absolutely the wrong approach. Leadership is absolutely not a cookie cutter. Yes, there are skills as leaders that we need to have. There are particular kinds of work that we need to do. There are demands from the environment. But if leaders can really understand who they are at their core, then they can bring that to whatever the situation is, whatever the role, the title, the environment, and they can step into their leadership more authentically. And that I think is what every leader needs at whatever level they are, but especially as they're going to the next level, they need to be able to know they're bringing their best self to that role. So what is a thought partner? Oh yeah, I use that term a lot. I think one of the things they don't tell leaders a lot of times is that leadership is lonely. You have a lot of weight on your shoulders and it's important to be able to have someone that you trust to really come alongside you and be able to help you think through the challenges that are natural for leadership. 
sometimes leaders can talk to their manager or their, their boss, and that's great. Sometimes they want to process through things before they do that. Sometimes they have things that they want to talk through that really aren't appropriate to talk to their team about. And then a lot of times, even if they have the best intentioned peers, as humans, we tend to want to jump in and really give advice or try to fix things. And that's not oftentimes what a leader needs. What a leader needs is really the ability, and I'm not sure if this resonates, but I talk about being able to unpack their head. It's like having this amazing closet with all these beautiful, valuable things in them, in it, but it's packed so tight, you can't really see what's in there. You can't step back and really be objective about it. So you need somebody to help you unpack that because a lot of times the answer of the decision or whatever you're grappling with is inside of you, but you need someone that can help you step back and really shift that perspective. And it really helps to have somebody outside the organization who doesn't have a stake in the game and can really just be there for you, come alongside as a thought partner, as a coach, as a co-navigator. What are some ways you can inspire your team? I think there's a lot of levels to that. A lot of times we focus on what we said earlier. We talk about the inspiration of having an inspiring vision. Where are we going? An inspiring mission. What's our purpose? And I think those are all extremely important. And it's really good to be able to paint that picture and and make that connection. The next layer down is really having that culture that helps bring out the best in people, inspires people. And I think a lot of times we don't appreciate how much a leader influences the culture of an organization. We like sometimes to think that it's a grassroots movement or, or something like that. It can be at times, but leaders really set culture and creating a culture that really inspires and motivates people. Then within that culture, one of the things that's really important is to model behavior or lead by example. There's an old uh, saying that says, people may listen to what you say. They are far more likely to listen to what you do or pay attention to what you do. And leaders who are able to walk the talk really inspire others because they watch as a lot of times, even when a company has clear values, there are situations where leaders have to grapple and have trade-offs. And when people watch leaders walk that talk to really live those values, that is really inspiring. And I think finally, it is really inspiring when leaders can share some of their vulnerability. Now, a lot of people use that word differently. It doesn't mean that you don't want a leader who's grounded and solid, especially around crisis. But a leader being able to say, here are the challenges, here's how I feel challenged. It makes them so accessible, like not on a pedestal, which is precarious at best, but it makes them accessible not only as a person, but it makes their role as a leader accessible to others so that you can actually think, wow, what that person's a real person. I could do that. And I think that's extremely inspiring. Yeah. I think that's really important too, because if you're going to rely on your team to get results and you're not transparent enough to say, Hey, I could really use some feedback in your mm-hmm. area of expertise. If, if you never have that conversation, then you're not going to get what you, what you desire out of that team. There, Absolutely. And there's a lot of people that 
don't want to give the information or advice because they don't want to overstep their bounds. And so if you as a leader don't go to your team and, and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really- yeah. But yeah. And that, that, that trust that you build for that two-way relationship. And I think it's so important because again, that, that modeling of being able to open up and, and ask your team, Again, that goes to creating the culture that you want to create. It creates the modeling for people to be able to say, what? I need to ask for help. And I think it's interesting because we have this hero complex sometimes about wanting to look at leaders as the hero or the person that is, you know, in the U.S., especially around the cowboy mentality. They've done it all themselves. And it's not true. We need to be able to ask for help and people need to be open to that. I've worked with so many leaders who have this kind of imposter syndrome. There's a lot of people, not just leaders that have this imposter syndrome and they work so hard to keep up the armor and keep up the image of what they think people want and need them to be that it's, but it's not real. And it's, you have to take off that armor and have a little vulnerability, especially in a world that is complex and constantly volatile. You need help and you need to be able to operate as a team. Yeah. I like that. What's one tip for managing conflict? (laughs) I think the one that I see the most is listen to understand rather than to respond. Stephen Covey, brilliant man his take on it was seek first to understand, then to be understood. We spend, again, going back to that more and more, when we have a disagreement, we get put up our armor, put up our walls, and we come ready to defend our position. And absolutely, it's an act of vulnerability to step back and really listen to understand someone's perspective. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but it's about listening. Asking clarifying questions, things like, what's important to you about that? Or help me understand, how does that work? One of the challenges that we have is, well, it's a benefit and a challenge. So as humans, our brains are programmed to make meaning out of situations very quickly. So we jump from the data of the words, the body language, the tone, all that stuff. And we jump up and we say, okay, this is what they must mean. And then we make assumptions based on that. And it's really about backing down and starting to test some of our assumptions. And people hate that word. They think there's a negative connotation and okay, sure. And yet that's how our brains work. So knowing that as part of the owner's manual, I guess, of the Mm -hmm. brain, it's really important because one of the challenges becomes you may have the same underlying root need or understanding of the problem. And what happens is one person takes that and goes here, oh, here's a solution. And another person goes here and says, oh no, this is the solution. And so we end up butting heads at the solution level. And unless we can back off and really come down to what's the root, what's really going on, we'll continue to butt heads. But at at that base, at that root, it's much easier then to find common ground and maybe come up with an entirely different solution. So I would say, listen, really listen to understand. And then maybe you'll both be better understood. Can you share some of your success stories with us? You know, it's funny. I was thinking about that and I have 
success is so different and there's so many different ones, like a bigger sense of success. I would say I had a client recently who originally came to me, which some clients do, they, they come to me because they've been referred for coaching because there's an issue, but maybe they've been very successful up to a point, but they get promoted into a role or promoted into a situation because our environment is always changing. And they end up having conflicts they can't seem to overcome. And it's really grinding against the organization. And this one gentleman who came to me, and I think he was just ready to not like coaching (laughs) at all. And he came with these preconceived ideas of what it was and that he didn't really need it and all of that. And as we work together, what's really important to think about coaching is the idea that I'm not here to fix anybody. It's about, again, coming alongside and helping you peel back the layers as a leader to understand what is at your core? What's the leader you want to be? And where are you now and where do you want to go? And he worked so much around really gaining insight and reflecting and then experimenting and putting some of these things into practice and then coming back and then we digest that. And that's so much of what leadership coaching is. It's an experiment. It's like you have a vision for where you want to go or at least the challenges you face. And then you have to take these pieces as we go and you experiment with them and you come back. And yeah, sometimes the experiments fail. Sometimes they, they succeed, but that conscious learning as you go. And by the end of our coaching, he was in such a different place. He was having great relationships with his team. Everybody was working together more effectively. And he just felt more confident as a leader because he was showing up in a way that was authentic and not defended and being able to be even just a part of that. Just, I I love it. Yeah. It makes me think of that quote of progress is one of the top keys to happiness. And, And I think that sometimes we do when it comes to success stories or it comes to helping people in our businesses, it's easy to think, oh, what's the huge, great, big story. But at the end of the day, if you can say that you've made progress with somebody, mm-hmm. that's huge in yeah. their world. That's something that's going to produce happiness for them. So I love that. Yeah. And I think too, I think it's important because a lot of times, especially as in the US, we tend to think of progress more as something we can measure very literally. Yeah. So we have metrics or KPIs or all of these things in our organization. And some people have this idea that if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. And that's really quite dangerous because the problem is then you end up measuring only what you can measure and it may not actually be the right thing. And for me, the idea of, I think for me, progress and what I would say is growth can be, it can be nebulous. It can be hard. You'll see impacts in terms of behavior changes on people, it may be hard to quantify, but in my experience, when someone has really experienced growth, they know it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And of course it depends on the individual. And I even deal with that in digital marketing where we are all limited by what we think we can do. Mm -hmm. And you really can't force somebody, you can lead a horse to water. (laughs) but there's so much that gets in the way as far as just, and this happens to all of us of what we Mm -hmm. think we can and cannot do and what we tell ourselves we can and cannot do. And sometimes people are just in that mindset of I've tried it before. It doesn't work for me. 
And then you really can't take responsibility for that not working. But I think everyone's they're on their own timeline and you have to let go of the results. And sometimes, especially in coaching, you have to let go of the results and own what you provided. Yeah. Yeah. You can't promise specific anyone who's promising, oh, I can absolutely get you here, do this because it's a relationship and the the client has to come. You have to be able to work together. And if you're not motivated or you're not ready to make these changes, then it won't happen. There's nothing you can do about that. And I think the other piece about it is to your point, we are so good at putting our own barriers and boundaries around ourselves and deciding what we can and can't do mostly because Mm -hmm. we're afraid we will fail. And so people in some ways, never trying, it's like, well, I could have had I tried. And so they, they keep that as a safety net. The problem is we do not grow inside our comfort zone. We just don't, if we're comfortable and we already know how to do it, that's not growth. So it does require risk. Now, will you fail? Will you falter? Absolutely. If you already knew what you were doing in every sense of the way, then you'd be in your comfort zone. And so part of it is how do you start to push outside of that? How do you take risk and how do you have a coach or somebody as a mentor that comes alongside you and supports you? Because the idea that we grow inside our comfort zone it's a myth and yeah. it's also growth is very messy. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So what do you think has been your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? I think going back to that growth is messy piece. I, I joke about it and there are some fabulous leadership books out there and I love them. And I joke about the fact that anybody who tells you that leadership isn't messy or is easy, they're trying to sell you something. And it's, usually a leadership book (laughs) Um, because all growth is messy. I I love the analogy and maybe it's trite because we all use it, but it doesn't make it less true because there are so many really good analogies in nature, but the whole caterpillar and the, the butterfly, the cocoon, all of that, the benefit the caterpillar has is that they have no idea what they're about to get into. <laughs> we have this process we go to and we, it, the caterpillar goes into that cocoon and it, it basically deconstructs into this goo like substance and the core building blocks are still there. They've always been there. But it has to deconstruct. There's this productive destruction to get back down to those building blocks to build something new. But what I love to tell people is you have to go through the goo. It's messy. Growth is messy. It's challenging. Sometimes it's scary. It's all of those things. But you can't get around that part. You have to go through it to get there. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Believe in yourself. Believe you can do it. I go back to, especially when we're starting out as entrepreneurs in in a business, the craft, and I'm sure you know this too, doesn't mean we know how to run a business initially or all of those pieces. And yet there's not a magic formula. I think a lot of times we look at other people and we, we see this like little, the cream on the top of their success. And we assume that they have something that we don't, that they just are naturally good. And that we don't see all of the time and the effort and the work and the failures and the mistakes and the falling down and getting back up. And I I tell clients, it's like, you know, when you look out to the rest of the world, all you see is the piece or the portion that they're willing to show or project or whatever. We have access to what's in here. 
24 seven and all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we are far more critical and like concerned about what's happening in our own head because outside we just, we see only the pieces. And believing in yourself, not allowing, there's gonna be that voice at times that says, oh, you can't do that. And it's like, you may not be able to stop the voice. You can quiet it after a while, but you don't have to listen to it. And I think, I wish someone had told me that earlier, like when I was really young, that it's not about being the smartest or about being the whateverist. It is about going after what you want, step by step, and really building that path. So Rachel, if there's people that are listening that would love to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? Really, my website's great. So it's uh, catamentum, C-A-T-A-M-E-N-T-U-M.com. That's Catalyze Momentum, Catamentum. Otherwise, my email address is Rachel, my first name, R-A-C-H-E-L. And then again, at catamentum.com. Perfect. And I'll put all your links down below. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yes. And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit our blog.